Chapter Twenty One of the Wide Wide World. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bridget. The Wide Wide World by Susan Warner. Chapter Twenty One. Footsteps of Angels. The next day, about the middle of the afternoon, a light step crossed the shed, and the great door opening gently, in walked Miss Alice Humphreys. The room was all red up, and Miss Fortune and her mother sat there at work, one picking over white beans at the table the other in her usual seat by the fire, and at her usual employment, which was knitting. Alice came forward and asked the old lady how she did. "'Pretty well. Oh, pretty well,' she answered, with the look of bland good humor her face almost always wore. "'And glad to see you, dear. Take a chair.' Alice did so, quite aware that the other person in the room was not glad to see her. "'And how goes the world with you, Miss Fortune?' Humph. "'It's a queer kind of world, I think,' answered that lady dryly, sweeping some of the picked beans into her pan. "'I get almost sick of it sometimes.' "'Why, what's the matter?' said Alice pleasantly. "'May I ask? Has anything happened to trouble you?' "'Oh, no,' said the other, somewhat impatiently. "'Nothing that's any matter to anyone but myself. It's no use speaking about it.' "'Ah, fortune would never take the world easy,' said the old woman, shaking her head from side to side. "'Never would. I never could get her to.' "'Now do hush, mother, will you?' said the daughter, turning round upon her with startling sharpness of look and tone. "'Take the world easy. You always did. I'm glad I ain't like you.' "'I don't think it's a bad way, after all,' said Alice. "'What's the use of taking it hard, Miss Fortune?' "'The way one goes on,' said that lady, picking away at her beans very fast, and not answering Alice's question. "'I'm tired of it. Toil, toil, and drive, drive from morning to night. And what's the end of it all?' "'Not much,' said Alice gravely, "'if our toiling looks no further than this world. "'When we go we shall carry nothing away with us. "'I should think it would be very wearisome "'to toil only for what we cannot keep, "'nor stay long to enjoy.' "'It's a pity you weren't a minister, Miss Alice,' "'said Miss Fortune dryly. "'Oh, no, Miss Fortune,' said Alice, smiling. "'The family would be overstocked. "'My father is one, and my brother will be another. "'A third would be too much. "'You must be so good as to let me preach "'without taking orders.' "'Well, I wish every minister was as good a one as you'd make,' said Miss Fortune, her hard face giving way a little. "'At any rate, nobody'd mind anything you'd say, Miss Alice.' "'That would be unlucky, in one sense,' said Alice. "'But I believe I know what you mean. "'But, Miss Fortune, no one would dream the world went very hard with you. "'I don't know anybody, I think, lives in more independent comfort and plenty, and has more things to her mind. "'I never come to the house that I am not struck with the fine look of the farm and all that belongs to it.' "'Yes,' said the old lady, nodding her head two or three times. "'Mr. Van Brunt is a good farmer. Very good. There's no doubt about that.' "'I wonder what he'd do,' said Miss Fortune, quickly and sharply as before, "'if there weren't a head to manage for him. "'Oh, the farm's well enough, Miss Alice. Tain't that. "'Everyone knows where his own shoe pinches. "'I wish you'd let me into the secret, then, Miss Fortune. "'I'm a cobbler by profession.' "'Miss Fortune's ill-humour was giving way, "'but something disagreeable seemed again to cross her mind.' her brow darkened. "'I say it's a poor kind of world, and I'm sick of it. One may slave, and slave one's life out for other people. And what thanks do you get? I'm sick of it. There's a little body upstairs, or I'm much mistaken, who will give you very sincere thanks for every kindness shown her.' Miss Fortune tossed her head, and brushing the refuse beans into her lap, she pushed back her chair with a jerk to go to the fire with them. "'Much you know about her, Miss Alice. "'Thanks, indeed. "'I haven't seen the sign of such a thing since she's been here, "'for all I have worked and worked, "'and had plague enough with her, I am sure. 
"'Deliver me from other people's children,' say I. "'After all, Miss Fortune,' said Alice, soberly, "'it is not what we do for people that makes them love us, "'or at least everything depends on the way things are done. "'A look of love, a word of kindness, "'goes further towards winning the heart than years of service, "'or benefactions mountains high, without them.' "'Does she say I am unkind to her?' said Miss Fortune. "'Pardon me,' said Alice. "'Words on her part are unnecessary. "'It is easy to see from your own "'that there is no love lost between you, "'and I am very sorry it is so.' "'Love indeed,' said Miss Fortune, "'with great indignation. "'There never was any to lose, I can assure you. "'She plagues the very life out of me. "'Why, she hadn't been here three days "'before she went off with that girl Nancy Voss "'that I had told her never to go near, "'and was gone all night. "'That's the time she got in the brook.' "'and if you'd seen her face when I was scolding her about it, "'it was like seven thunderclouds. "'Much you know about it. "'I dare say she's very sweet to you. "'That's the way she is to everybody besides me. "'They all think she's too good to live, "'and it just makes me mad.' "'She told me herself,' said Alice, "'of her behaving ill another time, "'about her mother's letter. "'Yes, that was another time. "'I wish you'd seen her. "'I believe she saw and felt her fault in that case. "'Didn't she ask your pardon? "'She said she would.' "'Yes,' said Miss Fortune dryly, after a fashion. "'Has she had her letter yet?' "'No. How is she to-day?' "'Oh, she's well enough. She's sitting up. You can go up and see her.' "'I will directly,' said Alice. "'But now, Miss Fortune, I am going to ask a favour of you. Will you do me a great pleasure?' "'Certainly, Miss Alice, if I can. "'If you think Ellen has been sufficiently punished for her ill behaviour, "'if you do not think it right to withhold her letter still, "'will you let me have the pleasure of giving it to her?' I should take it as a great favour to myself. Miss Fortune made no kind of reply to this, but stalked out of the room, and in a few minutes stalked in again with a letter, which she gave to Alice, only saying shortly, It came to me in a letter from her father. You are willing she should have it, said Alice? Oh, yes, do what you like with it. Alice now went softly upstairs. She found Ellen's door a little ajar, and looking in, could see Ellen seated in a rocking chair between the door and the fire in her double gown, and with her hymn-book in her hand. It happened that Ellen had spent a good part of that afternoon in crying for her lost letter, and the face that she turned to the door, on hearing some slight noise outside, was very white and thin indeed. And though it was placid, too, her eye searched the crack of the door, with a keen wistfulness that went to Alice's heart. But as the door was gently pushed open, and the eye caught the figure that stood behind it, the sudden and entire change of expression— took away all her powers of speech. Ellen's face became radiant. She rose from her chair, and as Alice came silently in, and kneeling down to be near her, took her in her arms. Ellen put both hers round Alice's neck, and laid her face there. One was too happy, and the other too touched, to say a word. "'My poor child,' was Alice's first expression. "'No, I ain't,' said Ellen, tightening the squeeze of her arms round Alice's neck. "'I'm not poor at all now.' Alice presently rose, sat down in the rocking-chair, and took Ellen in her lap. Ellen rested her head on her bosom, as she had been wont to do of old time on her mother's. "'I am too happy,' she murmured, but she was weeping, and the current of tears seemed to gather force as it flowed. What was little Ellen thinking of just then? Oh, those times gone by, when she had sat just so, her head pillowed on another as gentle breast, kind arms wrapped round her, just as now— the same little, old, double gown, the same weak, helpless feeling, the same committing herself to the strength and care of another, how much the same, and oh, how much not the same, and Ellen knew both. 
blessing as she did the breast on which she leaned and the arms whose pressure she felt they yet reminded her sadly of those most loved and so very far away and it was an odd mixture of relief and regret joy and sorrow gratified and ungratified affection that opened the sluices of her eyes tears poured what is the matter my love said alice softly i don't know whispered ellen are you so glad to see me or so sorry or what is it oh glad and sorry both i think said ellen with a long breath and sitting up have you wanted me so much my poor child i cannot tell you how much said ellen her words cut short and didn't you know that i have been sick too what did you think had become of me why mrs voss was with me a whole week and this is the very first day i have been able to go out it is so fine to-day i was permitted to ride sharp down was that it said ellen i did wonder miss alice i did wonder very much why you did not come to see me but i never liked to ask miss fortune because because what i don't know as i ought to say what i was going to i had a feeling she would be glad about what i was sorry about don't know that you ought to say said alice remember you are to study english with me ellen smiled a glad smile and you have had a weary two weeks of it haven't you dear oh said ellen with another long-drawn sigh how weary part of that time to be sure i was out of my head but i have got so tired lying here all alone aunt fortune coming in and out was just as good as nobody poor child said alice you have had a worse time than i i used to lie and watch that crack in the door at the foot of my bed said ellen and i got so tired of it i hated to see it but when i opened my eyes i couldn't help looking at it and watching all the little ins and outs of the crack till i was as sick of it as i could be and that button too that fastens a door and the little round mark the button has made and thinking how far the button went round and then if i looked towards the windows i would go right to counting the panes first up and down and then across and i didn't want to count them but i couldn't help it and watching to see through which pane the sky looked brightest oh i got so sick of it all there was only the fire that i didn't get tired of looking at i always liked to lie and look at that except when it hurt my eyes and oh how i wanted to see you miss alice you can't think how sad i felt that you didn't come to see me i couldn't think what could be the matter i should have been with you dear and not have left you if i had not been tied at home myself so i thought and that made it seem so strange but oh don't you think said ellen her face suddenly brightening don't you think mr van brunt came up to see me last night wasn't it good of him he even sat down and read to me only think of that and isn't he kind he asked if i would like a rocking-chair and of course i said yes for these other chairs are dreadful they break my back and there wasn't such a thing as a rocking-chair in aunt fortune's house she hates em she says and this morning the first thing i knew in walked mr van brunt with this nice rocking-chair just get up and see how nice it is you see the back is cushioned and the elbows as well as the seat it's queer-looking ain't it but it's very comfortable wasn't it good of him it was very kind i think but do you know ellen i'm going to have a quarrel with you what about said ellen i don't believe it's anything very bad for you look pretty good-humoured considering nothing very bad said alice but still enough to quarrel about you have twice said ain't since i have been here oh said ellen laughing is that all yes said alice and my english ears don't like it at all then they shan't hear it said ellen kissing her i don't know what makes me say it i never used to but i've got more to tell you i've had more visitors who do you think came to see me you never guess nancy voss mr van brunt came in the very nick of time when i was almost worried to death with her only think of her coming up here unknown to everybody and she stayed an age and how she did go on 
She cracked nuts on the hearth. She got every stitch of my clothes out of my trunk and scattered them over the floor. She tried to make me drink gruel till, between us, we spilled a great parcel on the bed. And she had begun to tickle me when Mr. Van Brunt came. Oh, wasn't I glad to see him! And when Aunt Fortune came up and saw it all, she was as angry as she could be, and she scolded and scolded till at last I told her it was none of my doing. I couldn't help it at all, and she needn't talk so to me about it, and then she said it was my fault, the whole of it, that if I hadn't scraped acquaintance with Nancy when she had forbidden me all this would never have happened. There is some truth in that, isn't there, Ellen? Perhaps so, but I think it might have all happened whether or no, and at any rate, it is a little hard to talk so to me about it now, when it's all over and can't be helped. Oh, I have been so tired to-day, Miss Alice. Aunt Fortune has been in such a bad humor. What put her in a bad humor? Why, all this about Nancy in the first place, and then I know she didn't like Mr. Van Brunt's bringing the rocking chair for me. She couldn't say much, but I could see by her face. And then Mrs. Van Brunt's coming. I don't think she liked that. Oh, Mrs. Van Brunt came to see me this morning, and brought me a custard. How many people are kind to me everywhere I go? I hope, dear Ellen, you don't forget whose kindness sends them all. I don't, Miss Alice. I always think of that now, and it seems you can't think how pleasant to me sometimes. Then I hope you can bear unkindness from one poor woman, who, after all, isn't as happy as you are, without feeling any ill will towards her in return. I don't think I feel ill will towards her, said Ellen. I always try as hard as I can not to, but I can't like her, Miss Alice, and I do get out of patience. It's very easy to put me out of patience, I think. It takes almost nothing sometimes. But remember, charity suffereth long, and is kind. And I try all the while, dear Miss Alice, to keep down my bad feelings, said Ellen, her eyes watering as she spoke. I try and pray to get rid of them, and I hope I shall by and by. I believe I am very bad. Alice drew her closer. I have felt very sad part of to-day, said Ellen presently, Aunt Fortune, and my being so lonely, and my poor letter, altogether. But part of the time I felt a great deal better. I was learning that lovely hymn. Do you know it, Miss Alice? Poor, weak, and worthless, though I am. Alice went on. I have a rich, almighty friend. Jesus the Saviour is his name. He freely loves, and without end. Oh, dear Ellen, whoever can say that has no right to be unhappy. No matter what happens, we have enough to be glad of. And then I was thinking of those words in the Psalms, Blessed is the man. Stop, I'll find it. I don't know exactly how it goes. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Oh, yes, indeed, said Alice. It is a shame that any trifles should worry much those whose sins are forgiven them, and who are the children of the great king. Poor Miss Fortune never knew the sweetness of those words. We ought to be sorry for her and pray for her, Ellen and never, never, even in thought, return evil for evil. It is not like Christ to do so. I will not, I will not, if I can help it, said Ellen. You can help it, but there is only one way. Now, Ellen, dear, I have three pieces of news for you, that I think you will like. One concerns you, another myself, and the third concerns both you and myself. Which will you have first? Three pieces of good news, said Ellen, with opening eyes. I think I'll have my part first. Directing Ellen's eyes to her pocket, Alice slowly made the corner of the letter show itself. Ellen's color came and went quick as it was drawn forth, but when it was fairly out and she knew it again, she flung herself upon it with a desperate eagerness Alice had not looked for. She was startled at the half-frantic way in which the child clasped and kissed it, weeping bitterly at the same time. Her transport was almost hysterical. She had opened the letter, but she was not able to read a word and quitting Alice's arms, she threw herself upon the bed, 
sobbing in a mixture of joy and sorrow that seemed to take away her reason. Alice looked on surprised a moment, but only a moment, and turned away. When Ellen was able to begin her letter, the reading of it served to throw her back into fresh fits of tears. Many a word of Mrs. Montgomery's went so to her little daughter's heart that its very inmost cords of love and tenderness were wrung. It is true the letter was short and very simple, but it came from her mother's heart. It was written by her mother's hand, and the very old remembered handwriting had mighty power to move her. She was so wrapped up in her own feelings that through it all she never noticed that Alice was not near her, that Alice did not speak to comfort her. When the letter had been read time after time, and wept over again and again, and Ellen at last was folding it up for the present, she bethought herself of her friend, and turned to look after her. Alice was sitting by the window, her face hid in her hands, and as Ellen drew near, she was surprised to see that her tears were flowing and her breast heaving. Ellen came quite close and softly laid her hand on Alice's shoulder, but it drew no attention. "'Miss Alice,' said Ellen, almost fearfully, "'dear Miss Alice,' and her own eyes filled fast again. "'What is the matter? Won't you tell me? Oh, don't do so. Please don't.' "'I will not,' said Alice, lifting her head. "'I am sorry I have troubled you, dear. I am sorry I could not help it.' She kissed Ellen, who stood anxious and sorrowful by her side, and brushed away her tears. But Ellen saw she had been shedding a great many. "'What is the matter, dear Miss Alice? What has happened to trouble you? Won't you tell me?' Ellen was almost crying herself. Alice came back to the rocking-chair, and took Ellen in her arms again, but she did not answer her. Leaning her face against Ellen's forehead, she remained silent. Ellen ventured to ask no more questions, but lifting her hand once or twice caressingly to Alice's face, she was distressed to find her cheek wet still. Alice spoke at last. "'It isn't fair not to tell you what is the matter, dear Ellen, since I have let you see me sorrowing. It is nothing new, nor anything I would have otherwise if I could.' It is only that I have had a mother once, and have lost her, and you brought back the old time so strongly, that I cannot command myself. Ellen felt a hot tear drop upon her forehead, and again ventured to speak her sympathy only by silently stroking Alice's cheek. It is all past now, said Alice. It is all well. I would not have her back again. I shall go to her, I hope, by and by. Oh, no, you must stay with me, said Ellen, clasping both arms around her. There was a long silence, during which they remained locked in each other's arms. "'Ellen, dear,' said Alice at length, "'we are both motherless for the present, at least, both of us almost alone. I think God has brought us together to be a comfort to each other. We will be sisters while he permits us to be so. Don't call me Miss Alice any more. You shall be my little sister, and I will be your elder sister, and my home shall be your home as well.' Ellen's arms were drawn very close round her companion at this, but she said nothing and her face was laid in Alice's bosom. There was another very long pause. Then Alice spoke in a livelier tone. "'Come, Ellen, look up. You and I have forgotten ourselves. It isn't good for sick people to get down in the dumps. Look up and let me see these pale cheeks. Don't you want something to eat?' "'I don't know,' said Ellen faintly. "'What would you say to a cup of chicken broth?' "'Oh, I should like it very much,' said Ellen, with new energy." Marjorie made me some particularly nice, as she always does, and I took it into my head a little might not come amiss to you, so I resolved to stand the chance of Sharp's jolting it all over me, and I rode down with a little pail of it on my arm. Let me rake open these coals, and you shall have some directly. And did you come without being spattered, said Ellen? Not a drop. Is this what you use to warm things in? Never mind, it has had gruel in it. I'll set the tin pail on the fire. It won't hurt it. 
"'I am so much obliged to you,' said Ellen, "'for do you know I have got quite tired of gruel, "'and panetta I can't bear.' "'Then I am very glad I brought it.' "'While it was warming, Alice washed Ellen's gruel cup and spoon, "'and presently she had the satisfaction of seeing Ellen eating the broth "'with that keen enjoyment none know but those that have been sick and are getting well. "'She smiled to see her gaining strength almost in the very act of swallowing. "'Ellen,' said she, presently, "'I have been considering your dressing-table. "'It looks rather doleful. "'I'll make you a present of some dimity, "'and when you come down to see me you shall make a cover for it "'that will reach down to the floor and hide those long legs.' "'That wouldn't do at all,' said Ellen. "'Aunt Fortune would go off into all sorts of fits. "'What about? "'Why the washing, Miss Alice, "'to have such a great thing to wash every now and then. "'You can't think what a fuss she makes "'if I have more than just so many white clothes "'in the wash every week.' "'That's too bad,' said Alice. "'Suppose you bring it up to me. "'It wouldn't be often, "'and I'll have it washed for you, "'if you care enough about it to take the trouble.' "'Oh, indeed I do,' said Alice. "'I should like it very much, "'and I'll get Mr. Van Brunt to—' "'No, I can't. "'Aunt Fortune won't let me. "'I was going to say I would get him to soft the legs "'and make it lower for me, "'and then my dressing-box would stand so nicely on the top. "'Maybe I can yet. "'Oh, I never showed you my boxes and things.' Ellen brought them all out, and displayed their beauties. In the course of going over the writing-desk, she came to the secret drawer, and a little money in it. "'Oh, that puts me in mind,' she said. "'Miss Alice, this money is to be spent for some poor child. Now, I've been thinking Nancy has behaved so to me. I should like to give her something, to show her that I don't feel unkindly about it. What do you think will be a good thing?' "'I don't know, Ellen. I'll take the matter into consideration.' "'Do you think a Bible would do?' "'Perhaps that would do as well as anything. I'll think about it.' "'I should like to do it very much,' said Ellen, "'for she has vexed me wonderfully.' "'Well, Ellen, would you like to hear my other pieces of news, or have you no curiosity?' "'Oh, yes, indeed,' said Ellen. I had forgotten it entirely. "'What is it, Miss Alice?' "'You know, I told you one concerns only myself, but it is great news to me.' "'I learnt this morning that my brother will come to spend the holidays with me. "'It is many months since I have seen him.' "'Does he live far away?' said Ellen. "'Yes, he has gone far away to pursue his studies, and cannot come home often. "'The other piece of news is, that I intend, if you have no objection, "'to ask Miss Fortune's leave to have you spend the holidays with me, too.' "'Oh, delightful!' said Ellen, starting up and clapping her hands, "'and then throwing them round her adopted sister's neck. "'Dear Alice, how good you are!' "'Then I suppose I may reckon upon your consent,' said Alice, "'and I'll speak to Miss Fortune without delay.' "'Oh, thank you, dear Miss Alice. How glad I am. I shall be happy all the time from now till then thinking of it. You aren't going.' "'I must. Ah, uh, don't go yet. Sit down again. You know you're my sister. Don't you want to read Mamma's letter?' "'If you please, Ellen, I should like it very much.' She sat down, and Ellen gave her the letter, and stood by while she read it, watching her with glistening eyes, and though, as she saw Alice's fill, her own overflowed again. She hung over her still to the last, going over every line this time with a new pleasure. New York, Saturday, November twenty-second, eighteen blank. My dear Ellen, I meant to have written to you before, but have been scarcely able to do so. I did make one or two efforts which came to nothing. I was obliged to give it up before finishing anything that could be called a letter. Today I feel much stronger than I have at any time since your departure. I have missed you, my dear child, very much. There is not an hour in the day, nor a half-hour, that the want of you does not come home to my heart, and I think I have missed you in my very dreams. This separation is a very hard thing to bear, but the hand that has arranged it does nothing amiss. We must trust him, my daughter, 
that all will be well. I feel it as well, though sometimes the thought of your dear little face is almost too much for me. I will thank God I have had such a blessing so long, and I now commit my treasure to him. It is an unspeakable comfort to me to do this, for nothing committed to his care is ever forgotten or neglected. Oh, my daughter, never forget to pray, never slight it. It is almost my only refuge. Now I have lost you, and it bears me up. How often, how often, through years gone by, when heartsick and faint, I have fallen on my knees, and presently there have been, as it were, drops of cool water sprinkled upon my spirit's fever. Learn to love prayer, dear Ellen, and then you will have a cure for all the sorrows of life. And keep this letter, that if you are ever like to forget it, your mother's testimony may come to mind again. My tea, that used to be so pleasant, has become a sad meal to me. I drink it mechanically, and set down my cup, remembering only that the dear little hand which used to minister to my wants is near me no more. My child, my child, words are poor to express the heart's yearnings. My spirit is near you all the time. Your old gentleman has paid me several visits. The day after you went came some beautiful pigeons. I sent word back that you were no longer here to enjoy his gifts, and the next day he came to see me. He has shown himself very kind. And all this, dear Ellen, had for its immediate cause your proper and ladylike behavior in the store. That thought has been sweeter to me than all the old gentleman's birds and fruit. I am sorry to inform you that, though I have seen him so many times, I am still perfectly ignorant of his name. We set sail Monday in the England. Your father has secured a nice stateroom for me, and I have a store of comforts laid up for the voyage, so next week you may imagine me out on the broad ocean, with nothing but sky and clouds and water to be seen around me, and probably much too sick to look at those. Never mind that. The sickness is good for me. I will write you as soon as I can again, and send by the first conveyance. And now, my dear baby, my precious child, farewell. May the blessings of God be with you. Your affectionate mother, E. Montgomery. You ought to be a good child, Ellen, said Alice, as she dashed away some tears. Thank you for letting me see this. It has been a great pleasure to me. And now, said Ellen, you feel as if you knew Mamma a little. Enough to honor and respect her very much. Now good-bye, my love. I must be at home before it is late. I will see you again before Christmas comes. End of chapter 21